Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our new weekly Soul of the Parsha class. This is uh, today's Parsha, is really two Parshat. It's Vayakel Kudei, and with them we are concluding the second book of the Torah, the book of Shemot Exodus. Our topic for today is Shabbat consciousness. What is Shabbat consciousness? And especially, how do we maintain Shabbat consciousness throughout the week? How can we take the light and the, the inspiration of Shabbat and carry it with us into the week, into the weekdays, so that we can uh, experience the entire week as one long Shabbat. As we say every day, when we say the Zalm corresponding to that day, we say, Hayom Yom Rishon Bashabbat, Hayom Yom Sheni Bashabbat. The entire week is called Shabbat. So we want to actually experience that and actualize that. We want to feel the entire week is Shabbat. And that starts every Motei Shabbat when we want to take the light of Shabbat and have it flow into, seep into, the weekdays. So this is our topic for today. What is Shabbat conscious, consciousness and how do we, how can we take it into the weekdays? Um, the main topic of these two parashot, the two concluding parashot of the book of Shemot Exodus, uh, almost all years that are not leap years, we read them together and this year is, this is how it goes. Uh, their main topic is the construction of the tabernacle, the actual construction of the tabernacle. We have already encountered the detailed instructions as to how to build the tabernacles in the previous portions of Turma and Tetzaveh, and then the beginning of Kitisa, the previous parsha. But now, these two parashot describe the actual construction of the tabernacle. Um, interestingly, uh, all this is taking place uh, in after the events of the previous parasha, that is, after the giving of the second tablets. And it's really it's the actual construction, when the tabernacle is put together, it's very close to the date that is actually we are now in, in the year cycle, which is the first day of Nisan. Sunday is going to be the first day of Nisan, Right, so this coming Shabbat is Shabbat Mevarchim. It's the day that we bless the new month of Nisan, which is really the first month of the Jewish calendar when you look at the months. So Nisan is the first month. And this is when the tabernacle is constructed. So as usual, we're, go we're going to talk about the first segment. For those of you who don't know, this year we're focusing on just the first Aliyah, the first segment of each parsha. Uh, but we do want to have a broader context of what the Parsha is about and where is it situated in the broader narrative. So, what happens is this. The tabernacle is constructed almost a year to the day that the Jewish people came out of Egypt. We came out of Egypt, of course, in the middle of Nisan. This is the Passover, the original Passover that God passed over the Jewish homes in the, the final plague and we came out of Egypt. But it takes almost a year, a year minus two weeks, to the beginning of the Nisan, the next year, that the tabernacle is being constructed. What happens in between? So it's very clearly divided into uh, two, half, 
two halves of the year. The first half, which is really the summer, right? It's the spring and the summer. Uh, this is a very turbulent time. This is coming out of Egypt. And then we have seven weeks full of events, ending with the war with Amalek, and then arriving at Mount Sinai and receiving the Torah. And then there's 40 days of Moshe coming up to the mountain to receive the first tablets. Uh, he comes down, it's the 17th, the 17th day of Tammuz. It's, the, of course, the building of the golden calf. And then he goes up for 40 more days, up until the first day of Elul, to pray for us to marry to receive the second tablets. Then he goes for a third time, it's 40 more days, from the first day of Elul to the 10th day of Tishrei, which is the Day of Atonement, the giving of the second tablets. This takes up half a year, and it's, and it's the, the summer months. The summer month, the year is divided into a summer and a winter. It's a bit like day and night. Summer is like, has, it's mostly daytime. The days are longer, there's more light, but it's a very turbulent summer. Uh, it's everything leading up to the receiving of the Torah and everything that comes after the giving of the Torah, which makes it so that it takes 120 days for us to finally receive the second tablet. And then all this ends, and in between we have all the instructions that Moshe is learning when he's up there in the mountain, he's learning about the future tabernacle. So that's why we had Turma and Tetzaveh and the beginning of Kitisa were all about the instructions for the building of the tabernacle, but there's no tabernacle around, nothing is built. It's just in theory. It's all just the instructions that Moshe is learning. He's in the mountain. He doesn't even dream about the, the golden calf. He, everything is ideal and perfect in his head, in his mind, in the way it's described in the Torah. And it goes together with the summer months that are all day. It's all light. It's all good. You know, the, again, summertime is like the daytime. It's the day that you have a lot of light. And light is illumination and understanding and clarity. And everything is clear. There should be a tabernacle. It's supposed to be perfect. That's how it's supposed to work. But of course, it doesn't work that way. We build the golden calf. He breaks the tablets. And 80, day, 80 more days have to pass before we finally get the second tablets. And we end up in the beginning of fall. Half a year has passed. The second half a year is the actual construction or preparation for the tabernacle. This is now winter time. It's darker, it's nighttime. It's overshadowed by the fact that we have gone through this whole golden calf ordeal, and then we're building the actual tabernacle. And that ends in the first day of Nisan. It's a new spring coming. And again, almost a year to the day of the coming out of, of Egypt. And now, in many ways, the, the ultimate goal, or not the ultimate, the ultimate goal is, is arriving at Eretz Israel, but the penultimate goal in many ways is the tabernacle. And, but it, it's taken that year because we had to go through this summer that started out very optimistically, and which is reflected in the instructions for the giving of the of building of the tabernacle. And then we have the half a year of winter months of actually building the tabernacle. That's why the entire description is repeated twice. First, as an injunction, as a commandment, as a description of how the tabernacle should be built. 
and it's all about should, it's all about how things ought to be. It's summer, it's light, it's ideal. Moshe's in the mountain, he's dreaming of perfect dreams of perfect tabernacles. And then we have the, and the, the same description repeats itself with a few differences, and now it's all about the actual construction of the tabernacle post the golden calf, post the giving of the, the breaking of the first tablets, giving of the second tablets. And this is in actuality, and this is all taking place in the winter. It's shorter days, longer nights, it's darker, it's colder, and everyone is working on building the tabernacle. And they finish on the first day of Nisan, the beginning of spring, and, and maybe a new optimism is entering the world as the tabernacle is actually built in the end of Pkudei, in the end of, of these two parashot, in the end of the book of Exodus. This is why it's really the, the ultimate goal of the story of Exodus, the coming out of Egypt. The goal has arrived, but it took this long, you know, this long roundabout uh, way of going about it. Um, now, again, so we have summer and winter, we have the ideal description of how the tabernacle ought to be, and then we have the description of the actual building of the tabernacle. The Kabbalistic terms for this is Or Yashar and Or Chozer, the straight light and the returning light. The summer is all about the straight light, Nisan is a month of miracles, and God is revealing Himself from on high, and in the summer is when we have the three regalim, the three main festivals, Everything is in the summer, it's months of clarity and ideal situations. It doesn't work that way, as again, I said it's a turbulent summer, but that's how it's supposed to be. And then the winter is all about the returning light. This is the light that goes from, from the bottom up, not from the top down. It doesn't start with the ideal reality, it starts with, the, with what actually is, not what it ought to be. So that's the just placing ourselves within the context of the story, and understanding what's happening in this parsha, This parsha, the actual construction is in the winter, and it's all about coming back into reality, not as we hoped it would be, but as it actually is. How does this connect to the topic that I said in the beginning, that it's all about taking Shabbat consciousness in, into the weekdays? So now we have to go to the second interesting uh, division or symmetry that we find around this tension between the uh, ideal description of the tabernacle, as it's supposed to be, and the description of its actual construction. So, another interesting thing that we see, and this is happening twice, and it has to do, we're, we are now uh, making up a little bit for not having a class last week. In the first portion of Kitisa, that we should have talked about last week, uh, there was suddenly, just as we the Torah is finishing, telling us about the tabernacle, it suddenly, for no apparent reason, tells us again about Shabbat. It, it repeats again the commandment of Shabbat that we already received in the giving of the Torah, in the Ten Commandments. So, just before the story of the golden calf and everything that happens, after the de description of the construction of, of, of the tabernacle, the ideal construction, how it's supposed to be, we suddenly have a few verses telling us about Shabbat. Same thing repeats here, except now it's not after the whole tabernacle 
details, it's just before. In this week's parsha, the first of them, Vayakhel, Vayakhel begins with three verses dedicated, again, and for no apparent reason, dedicated to Shabbat. And then starting from verse 4 onwards, we go into the description of the actual building of the tabernacle. So twice we have this conjunction of the tabernacle and Shabbat. The first time it was first the description of the tabernacle, then Shabbat, then with everything that happened in Kitisa. And then we have in this parsha first the commandment of Shabbat, and then the description of the actual building of the tabernacle. So the structure is tabernacle, Shabbat, Shabbat, tabernacle. And this is what we want to figure out. What, what does this mean? So first we have to learn what Chazal, what the Jewish sages learned from these two conjunctions. It doesn't explain why they, it happens twice, but it, it, it does explain the conjunction. So they learned from this that although uh, the tabernacle is extremely important and it's the holiest thing, it's the building of the holy space and the dwelling place for God and the Torah, it does not, the activity, the melacha of constructing the tabernacle does not override Shabbat. They say this. They say you could have thought, you might have thought, that the construction of the tabernacle being so important and holy and being the goal of coming out of Egypt and beginning to serve God and all this, you would think, you could think, that it overrides Shabbat and you could work on the tabernacle on Shabbat, so the Torah has to make it very clear that you can't, that as holy as the construction of the tabernacle is, it does not override Shabbat. And this is especially important to, to mention because the service within the tabernacle, once it's going to be constructed, does override Shabbat. Because, for example, the sacrifices are being given uh, in Shabbat. So it's uh, every day, every day we have sacrifices given. So the service, this is Avodata Mishkan, the service in the Mishkan does override Shabbat. But the construction of the, mis- the Mishkan, which is called Melacha, does not override Shabbat. And of course, as is well known, the 39 uh, uh, activities, avot melacha, the types of activities that are forbidden on Shabbat, we all learn this from the different activities that surrounded the construction of the tabernacle. So this is how we know what Shabbat is all about. We wouldn't have Shabbat if we didn't have this conjunction between Shabbat and the tabernacle, especially in this parsha. And this parsha, it's from a verse in this parsha that this connection is being made, that how do we know which melacha, which action is prohibited on Shabbat, we look at what actions were involved in the construction of the tabernacle. Now, the interesting thing about this is the hava amina, the you would have thought the the possibility that is rejected, but you could have had it, and that's always very important when we learn Torah, is whenever there's a possibility that is that arises, even if it's rejected, the fact that it arose, if it would have been completely refutable or completely out of the question, it would never have arose. A question that arises, even if it's ultimately answered with a no, 
means that there is something to the question and there's a partial yes there, although the answer is finally no. And I, and I rejected idea by virtue of being proposed means that th th there's, there, it, it means it says something or you wouldn't have thought about it. So what does it mean that we could have thought that the building of the tabernacle overrides Shabbat? It means that although it's an activity, a secular, weekday, physical activity, there's something about it that's so refined, that's so illuminated, that's so holy, and also maybe that's so Shabbat-like that it, we could have seriously considered we, we can do it on Shabbat, and it's, it doesn't, it's not called violating the Shabbat. Imagine this. Imagine a certain action that is on the surface violates Shabbat, but the way it's done, or the context in which it's done, seems to suggest that it's, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't violate Shabbat, it's, it's a Shabbat-like action. So finally, we know that it isn't. It is, you can do it on Shabbat, it's only for the six weekdays. But the fact that we could think this means that there is a kind of illustration here of certain actions, and of course it's the same actions, it's the same 39 actions that are prohibited on Shabbat. But the, in the context of constructing a tabernacle, you could think that it's okay to do it on Shabbat. And if we imagine this, there's no Shabbat, right? It's, it's all the 39 actions that we don't do on Shabbat. Everything we imagine Shabbat to be, it's the very opposite. But you could have thought you could do it on Shabbat. So that means there is a way of living the six weekdays and acting within the six weekdays that's so Shabbat-like that it's, it becomes almost in, in separate, you, know, you can differentiate the two. So this is what we want to figure out. So the, the, we can come up with the following definition. We can say that the tabernacle reflects the six weekdays in their ideal form, in, in their best, at their best. If we could somehow live the six days, the six work days, and work in such a way that it's as if we we're constructing the tabernacle, then that would be the ideal usage of the six days. So that when we're talking about that we have this structure now, that we have in the previous parasha, it was tabernacle, then Shabbat. And in this parasha, it's Shabbat, then tabernacle. The structure that we still haven't figured out what it means, but just in order to get to understand it on a, on a deeper way of tabernacle, Shabbat, Shabbat, tabernacle, really what it stands for is weekdays, Shabbat, Shabbat, weekdays. With the tabernacle standing for the weekdays in their ideal form, in their best, in the best way possible. So the idealized weekdays are the tabernacle. So we have an ideal week, a week that's lived as best as it can live, that can be, can be lived, which is that you do everything in your power to make this world a dwelling place for God. And then you get to Shabbat, and then you somehow within Shabbat, there's another level of Shabbat, right? Because we have tabernacle, Shabbat, Shabbat, tabernacle. It's four stages. So the first stage is the week before Shabbat, 
And then we have one level of Shabbat, then we have a second level of Shabbat, and then we have the week following Shabbat. This is the structure. So we want to, uh, we want to understand what it means, and also let's make the connection to what we said about the summer and the straight light versus the winter and the returning light. When we say that in the previous parasha, Kitisa, we had the end of the instructions of the building of the tabernacle, and then we had Shabbat, that was the ideal summertime straight light description. So there's something about the going into Shabbat that you, you're very optimistic because you feel the pull of the light of Shabbat and you go into Shabbat. This is like, this is a, a more ideal way, right? You would think that whenever you're going to Shabbat, the next week is somehow more elevated. But here we have an, another idea, which is that it, the first, you, you, you finish the week, you say, ah, oh, Baruch Hashem, the week is over, it's behind me. And then you go into Shabbat, it's very, you're, you're very optimistic because you know Shabbat is ahead of you. So you're going into Shabbat. This, that, that was in Kitisa. That was, that was before everything that happened in Kitisa. And that was still in the summer. And then, well, when we're talking, so this is Erev Shabbat, right? The first Shabbat is like Erev Shabbat. We have the week and then Erev Shabbat. And then in this parasha, we have Shabbat itself, and then Motzei Shabbat and going into the week. Here now it's darker. It's actually, by the way, darker, because when you light the Shabbat candles, it's still daylight. That was like the, first, the previous Shabbat being in the summertime. But when you do have Dala, it's when it's already dark. So this is like this week's Shabbat tabernacle, Shabbat Motzei Shabbat coming into the new week. You're in the dark, and the week has only just begun. You don't know what it's going to... Uh, what it's going to to give to you, what it's going, you know, what's going to happen, and it, it, there's something darker and more, you know, maybe maybe a little bit frightening, and and it is it's going into physicality in a way. It's not that you're coming out of the physical days, the six work days into Shabbat. This is summer like, and this is optimistic. It's Shabbat is ending and the light is fading out, and the new week is beginning, and you feel that now it's going to be, you're going into the physical world, and it's tough, and it's hard, and you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm going to share with you something personal, that the first three years of my own tshuva, uh, every Motzei Shabbat, I would, I would experience uh, the, a terrible depression. I would just feel... A terrible, it's like a, like I plummeted down. Every Shabbat I felt was really, I, you know, I was still single, I wasn't married, I was just, you know, in the first lights of tshuva, I was just discovering this whole amazing world of Judaism, and, and observing Shabbat for the first time in my life. But for three years, every Shabbat I felt that this is like some kind of redemption, this is like the world to come, you know, you, you, there's only, you know, food is on the table, and also, you don't prepare anything. You only go to visit other people. And, um, and no, sometimes they would prepare. Anyway, but the point is that it's, it, everything is perfect. Everything is ideal. And going to Shabbat is the best thing in the world. And being in Shabbat is like being in some Garden of Eden. And everything is perfect. But then, as, the, as darkness would descend, and Shabbat would come out, and we would finish the Avdalah, I would feel like a cloud of depression descending upon the world. And I could actually feel 
like almost every, you know, sad, lonely, you know, sick, homeless individual in the world, I could feel their pain on Motzei Shabbat. I, could, I really felt, I, like, I couldn't believe that Shabbat didn't continue forever and ever, that it would end. And then you see people going back to their work clothes and going about the streets and the lights and the traffic and the, you know, the noise and, and the phones coming on and all this. And the only thing that kept me going was there's a psalm that you say on Motzei Shabbat, it's Psalm 91, and it says, You need not fear the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. And then it says, goes on, it says, A thousand arrows may fall at your left side, ten thousand at your right, but it shall not reach you. You're protected. And I felt that that psalm was sort of giving me protection to enter the new week of uncertainty and, and darkness and confusion uh, and it's sort of guarding me. Uh, I said three years. The, it only changed when I got married. When I got married, uh, it, it, it began to be alleviated. Maybe because when you get married, it's a bit like building a tabernacle. So it turns the weekdays into something else. It gives you a different context. And also I felt that if if one if there's a little bit of salvation or redemption for one person, then maybe all the other sick and sad and lonely and homeless, you know, people that I would think about, every Motei Shabbat I would think about them. Uh, I would still think about them, but I felt that there's hope, you know, because for me personally I found hope. So anyway, this this is just a, a personal experience that I, I like to share because it really it's really connected to this. Um, to this, what's happening in this portion. In this portion, it's the transition from Shabbat to the tabernacle. And again, not the tabernacle as an ideal instruction, but as an actual description of thing going on. So this is real, the real thing. And we're going into the real thing. And it's again, it's winter and it ends in the spring. So there's an, there's an atmosphere of, of darkness and uncertainty. And also, again, it's overshadowed by the sin of the golden calf that we had in the previous parsha. Now, in order to understand what's going on here, and how do we understand this transition from the tabernacle of the weekdays into Shabbat, and, and especially from Shabbat into the new week, because this is the topic of this parsha and this, and this class, is we want to just bring something beautiful that the Kedushat Levi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, great Hasidic sage, he pointed out something very interesting that's going on in the first verses of this parsha of Yakhel. He says, I said the first three verses are about Shabbat, and then starting verse 4 onwards is about the tabernacle. So the first verse, uh, in, in, which is about Shabbat, verse A, uh, says about Shabbat, these are the things that God commanded that we should do. We should observe the, 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 the Shabbat. But then, verse 4, when he's about to move into the building of the tabernacle, it says, this is the thing that God commanded to say, right? It's, it's le'emor, for Moshe to tell us what to do. This is very, this is very interesting, because Shabbat is all about not doing, it's all about speaking, because Shabbat is all about Torah and, and tefillah, prayer. It's about learning Torah, you do that with, by, with speaking. And it's about praying, it's also speaking, it's all words. But it says, about Shabbat, it says, 
אלה הדברים אשר ציווה השם לעשות אותם, to do, and the tabernacle in which you would think you, you don't talk so much, you work, it's a lot of work, you don't talk so much, you, you work quietly. Uh, it says, זה הדבר אשר ציווה השם לאמור. So the Kedushat Levi says, it's paradoxical, it's the opposite of what you would think. On Shabbat, he says, we rectify the world of action. We don't do action on Shabbat, but we rectify the world of action. And in the weekdays, again, lived ideally, our, what we're doing there is we're constructing a tabernacle of sorts. We're rectifying the world of speech, although we don't speak necessarily so much, at least not holy speech. It's mostly about action. But we rectify the world of speech. So there's something very interesting going on here. In a way, somehow, Shabbat, which is a day of inactivity, it's all about, this is somehow the root of rectifying the world of activity. And the weekdays, which are all about activity, somehow rectify the way we speak, the way which is really our spirituality. It, our spirituality depends on the weekdays, and our physicality, going into the world of action, depends on how we spend our Shabbatot. The opposite of what you would think. So it means that the two, these two elements, tabernacle and Shabbat, they're somehow infused or suffused one into the other. They affect one another in a deep, deep way. That it's Davka, the days of activity that are the source for the holy speech that we want to experience in Shabbat. And in Shabbat, in which we spend the whole day just learning Torah and praying, it's somehow the key to living properly in the, day, in the weekdays, the workdays. So let's now go over the four stages and think about it in this way. So we have, first we have the week before Shabbat, then we have the beginning of Shabbat, which is still connected to the previous week, then we have the end of Shabbat, which is more connected to the next week, then we have the next week, right? Mishkan, Shabbat, Shabbat, Mishkan. Tabernacle, Shabbat, Shabbat, Tabernacle. So first stage, Tabernacle, is the weekdays before Shabbat. In what way do we rectify the world of speech in the week preceding Shabbat, as we're going into Shabbat. So, it's, I, I thought about a few things. One is, as you're working and doing whatever it is you're, work, you're doing in your weekdays, you should ask yourself, how do I want to sum this all up in Shabbat? Many people in Shabbat, they sit around the table and they, they share what happened to them during the week. So, if you adopt this point of view to begin with, it could help you elevate the entire week. You say, this is, what I'm, what I'm doing now, it's going to be the story for Shabbat meal. What kind of story do I want to tell on Shabbat meal? And also, I want to look back, you know, proudly at my week. I want to look back satisfied in my week. So if I adopt the point of view of Shabbat already in the, in, in the as I'm living the week, I'm thinking about the next Shabbat, I'm elevating my week. I'm thinking about my week in a, in a, in a, in a better way. I'm thinking, I, wanna, I want this week to be so good that I would have something wonderful to tell to my friends and my family on Shabbat. Also, it means, if I want to get some things prepared, actual Torah words to say in Shabbat, it means I need to find the time 
during the week to prepare. Only if you work on the days preceding Shabbat can you enjoy Shabbat, so you need to prepare. And preparing means you can't spend the entire week just working. You have to spend every every day some time on studying, because otherwise you would you would sit at the Shabbat table, you would, you would have nothing to say. So you need to think about the words of Shabbat during the week. It's, it, it all depends. The spirituality of Shabbat depends on, on the week. So this is the first element. This is the tabernacle leading into Shabbat, the weekdays leading into Shabbat. Then you have the first element of Shabbat. The first element of Shabbat is mostly Friday night. It's Erev Shabbat, Leil Shabbat. And this is called Shabbat Tata'a. It's the lower aspect of Shabbat. It's mostly about resting from the week. We know that Shabbat has two elements to it, two sides to it. And it's reflected in the two commandments, the, ten, the two versions of the Ten Commandments. One says, Shamor Yom HaShabbat Lekotso, observe the holy day. And the second says, Zachor Yom HaShabbat Lekotso, remember the holy day. And the Kabbalistic explanation is that Shamor is more connected to the to Friday night, to Lel Shabbat. And the explanation for why you need to Shamor is because you were once a slave. So it has mostly to, to do with the fact that we're, we worked so hard during the week, so now we want to rest. And this is called Shabbat Atah. This is the lower aspect of Shabbat. Because it's Shabbat as it relates to the, to the weekdays that came before it. It's not Shabbat itself. So the first element of Shabbat is Shabbat night. And this is taking all the actions that I did and sort of letting them sink in. I'm not, I'm not working anymore. I can rest. And now all the activity, all the turmoil, all the noise, all the work, all the stress, it sinks in and it, and it all goes me and everything I did, I go back to the root, to who I am, to what do I want this, this to you know, my life to be, what does it all mean, and I look back and I sum up the week, and in a way I rectify retroactively everything that I experienced during this week. This is the time to look back and let it sink and look at it from a new perspective, from a fresh perspective. This is the lower aspect. It's not a bad aspect. It's a good aspect, but it's the lower aspect of Shabbat. It's the aspect that has to do with Shamor, actual observing, and it has to do with resting and from not working. Shamor, Tom Shabbat Lekotcho, because you were once a slave, you have to work, and you were, even this week, you were maybe a little bit of a slave or a servant, you worked hard, and now you need to rest, and it means all the, everything you did, it now sinks in, and it goes back to its root. Its root is its meaning. Why am I working? Why am I doing all of this? Why am I working so hard? It's because I want to have time for my soul, for my neshama, for what gives me meaning and, and substance in life, and I can look back, and it retroactively elevates and justifies everything I've been through. And I can also reflect on it from a higher perspective. So this is Mishkan Shabbat. Now we go to sleep, and we wake up in the morning, and now it's the second element of Shabbat. So though it's the morning, this is the higher Shabbat Ila'a, the higher aspect of Shabbat. It corresponds to Zachor et Yom Shabbat. Remember it's more spiritual. It's not actual observing. It's, it's cognitive remembering. 
And so this is the higher aspect of Shabbat, and, it, and the explanation given in, given in that version of the Ten Commandments is Shabbat isn't because you were a slave, Shabbat is to commemorate or to remember the days of creation, something far bigger, far deeper, it has to do with the remembering that the whole world is created by God. We need a resting day to look at the world from this point of view. So, you know, by the way, that it says that if the Jewish people would observe two Shabbatot, Mashiach would come. So you would think you have to convince the entire Jewish people to observe two consecutive Shabbatot. But according to Hasidut, it can be easier than that. It has to be can only one Shabbat, but you have to be conscious of both aspects of Shabbat. You have to be fully conscious of the lower aspect of Shabbat and fully conscious of the second aspect of Shabbat. And these these are the these are the two Shabbatot that we need to observe. So we can we can do it all in one Shabbat. We just need to feel the Shabbat Tata, the lower aspect of Shabbat, which is just resting and letting everything that happens sink in. And then we also have to experience the higher aspect of Shabbat, which is looking at the world and remembering that it's all created by God and it's it's full of divine light and so on. So on the second now, now we're getting ready to we're absorbing energy. We're not summing up the previous week. We're getting ready to for the new week, right? We're now we moved to this parasha. We 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 talked about Tabernacle Shabbat. That was the previous parasha. This parasha it's Shabbat Tabernacle. So we're talking about Shabbat as it relates to the following days. So now Shabbat is all about getting energy to going into the new week. And now this is something higher and deeper. And really it's all about connecting to a certain mode of restfulness, of letting go, of a kind of passive acceptance of everything that's going on that we want to bring into the following week. This is what I talked about in the very the, the, the opening of this class. We want to, on the higher level of Shabbat, we want to connect to the very essence of Shabbat and somehow take it into the following week because the, the higher it's the higher aspect of Shabbat, the second Shabbat, that is adjacent to and is leading into the new week. And then in the new week, right, the final Mishkan, the final element in this four-stage series of elements is... Now it's it's all about returning to doing our works in a, in a, somehow in a post Shabbat consciousness. The Shabbat is still with us, and we're carrying a, it into the week. Not that we're preparing for a new Shabbat, a new pre fresh page. It's I, remember this is the winter parsha. Now we're going into the, the we're the experiences we're going into. It's Motzei Shabbat, it's dark. We need to light a fire, we need to smell something powerful to bring us back into the world, and we need to uh, 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 summon the strength that we would need to, to go through this week, and to go through the darkness of this week. And the source is in Shabbat. So now let's look at two important ways, uh, from two different places in Hasidut, about how to bring Shabbat consciousness into the weekdays. 
So the first, um, the first idea is brought from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Lubavitcher Rebbe looks at the second, uh, the second verse, and and we'll read it, and we'll and it's a it's a important it's a small but important detail. So the in Hebrew it goes like this: Sheshet yamim teasem melacha uvayom ashvi yelachem kodesh Shabbat Shabbaton leHashem. By the way, I didn't say this before, but it's very interesting. Uh, we have five words here. Yihye lachem. Uh, no. on the seventh day you shall have a holy day the acronym the first five letters are Vayakhel the name of the parsha. it's the second verse of the parsha, and very beautifully the, the name is reflected in these five words so, so although the topic of the parsha is the building of the tabernacle there's this very interesting allusion or hint that it all hinges on Shabbat, that it's just three verses in the very beginning. But the second of them, the, the main one, is con- contains in a secret way the name of the entire parsha. So it's like saying, you want the key to building the tabernacle, it, the key is in Shabbat. That's, you know, that's like the, the like a key when you, uh, in cryptography, when you want to, the key to uh, deciphering something. So the key to to the tabernacle is within this uh, within this verse. Anyway, the word that is important for us here is even before that. Sheshet yamim melacha. If you would look at this verse um, without the uh, the pronunciation marks, uh, the the equivalents of the vowels, right in Hebrew, without the pronunciation marks, you would think it says sheshet yamim ta. You will do actions on the six days, but don't do them on the seventh day. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say It says, and if you're reading the Torah on Shabbat and you don't have the pronunciation marks, you need to know this very well. It doesn't say It says which translates as for, for six days work shall be done, or may be done, but it's shall be done. For six days, work shall be done, but on the seventh day, it's a holy day, and don't do any activity. So, and so the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, this is very, very important. The, the, the sages, Chazal, they also noted this, and they said, their explanation was, um, uh, when we the Jewish people merit merit it, then uh, all their work would be done by others. You know, we would have people doing the the toiling of the week for us. That's a very pshat, uh, you know, or a very physical explanation. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe, right, like all Hasidim interpreters, he wants to go deeper. So he says, what does it mean on a deeper spiritual way? So he says the idea is that we should think about the six weekdays as we're working, as we're going about our business, as we're doing whatever we need to do, all the phone calls and all the arrangements and all the work, whether it's menial labor or it isn't menial labor, whatever it is, we should do it in a way that we don't feel that we are the ones acting it out. 
This is ta'ase, you shall do, but it's not what it says. It says, sheshet yamim te'ase melacha, work shall be done. It's almost like saying, on its own, somehow of its own, it'll do itself. You are just a conduit. You are just the work. Everything you do passes through you. So, says the Rebbe Rebbe, this is Shabbat consciousness taken into the weekdays. When you take Shabbat consciousness into the weekdays, then you're, in Shabbat you don't do anything. Everything is pre-prepared. It's all done already. It's all, maybe you prepared it, but now you're not preparing anything. So it's as if your, your previous self prepared it for your present self. So it's all prepared. All the more so if someone else has prepared it. It doesn't matter. It's already prepared. It's already made. You don't do anything. You don't cut anything. You don't write anything. You don't erase anything. You don't prepare. You don't cook anything. It's all there. So taking this consciousness into the weekdays, you have to think, well, now I I am going to be doing things, right? But I want to do them in such a way that I feel that they are being done through me, not that I'm doing them. This is the Lubavitcher Rebbe's idea. Te'ase. It's not you doing. He takes a verse from Psalms, from Psalms 128, second verse. It says in Hebrew, Yegiya kapecha ki tochel ashrecha vetovlach. Translated literally, not necessarily the translation you will find. But the actual, the exact um, um, translation is, you shall enjoy the fruit of your hand's labor, the labor of your hands, and you shall be happy and you shall prosper. So he says, it doesn't say, your uh, you shall enjoy the labor, the fruit of your labor, uh, or what you worked on. It says what your hands worked on. Meaning, your hands need to work. You don't need to work. Your hands need to be fully into the work, but your head needs to be above the water. Your body can be submerged in the waters of the weekdays, of worries and the responsibilities, and they have to be there, of course, because, you know, the world needs taken care of, and you need to be there fully involved. It's six days. But the but your head should fully, constantly be in Shabbat mode. And if your head is in Shabbat mode throughout the week, then you feel that my hands are working, but I am not. When you... Uh, when you enjoy the fruit of the labor of your hands, this is when you're fully, truly happy. You're not fully, truly happy if it's your your own self that's invested in the work, because then you sink into th- the real world with all its worries, with all with all with all its stress, with all its turmoil, with all its noise, with all its forgetfulness. And and then you you and you're totally invested in your work, and you forget what what this is all for, what are you, what you are about, what God is about, what the world is about, what other people are about. So you need to have a Shabbat calmness that sort of accompanies you throughout the week, to the point that you feel that it's uh, my hands are working, but it's not me. I'm I'm free. It's a bit like snorkeling 
that you're 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 in the water, but you have you have this channel connecting you. So in a way, your head or the source of your air is above the water. You're not fully, fully, absolutely submerged. You have something that connects you above. In Hebrew, of course, the word for the secular, the weekdays or the workdays is yemei chol. Chol is secular or the opposite of holy. It's the regular days, it's chol. Chol in Hebrew is also sand. So we can imagine someone scuba diving in the sand. He's, he's submerged in quicksand. He's sinking into the quicksands of reality. But he needs to have a snorkel. If you have a snorkel, then you're, you're not going to drown in the quicksand of yemei hachol, yemei hachulin. You're going to, your hands will be there, but your head, in some way, will be above the sand or the water or the, the, above the surface. And you're going to be connected to this light. So this is the first, uh, the, the first element that we, that we have here. Um, this, of course, runs very much against uh, the sanctification of work and completely dedicating yourself to your work that is so prevalent both in Western society, modern Western capitalist society, which is very much focused on career and working and not resting and working the most that you can. And, you know, people working, sometimes actually working seven days a week or and not resting enough. And, and, and you're driven, you're ambitious, and then, and then even in the, on, on, on the weekday, on the weekends, uh, you, you can't stop thinking about your work. And it also goes against what was very fundamental to the, uh, to the Zionist movement, which was called, you know, Ade Gordon's, one of the, the great founders of, uh, of Zionism, secular Zionism, was that he spoke about the religion of work, of toil. He says, my religion is work. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't worship the Hebrew God. I don't, I don't worship the Judaism. I, my religion is work. And they would work every day in the kibbutzim, inspired by his writings and teachings. So, uh, we're talking about the opposite. It's not neglecting the world. It's not being, asking other people to do it for you. It's working and being very, you know, industrious. And, but it's, it's doing so in such a way that you're not fully, fully invested. Because if you're too much invested, you drown in the quicksands of thinking about this world. So the key to taking Shabbat consciousness into the weekdays is maintaining this atmosphere that we're not, I'm not really doing anything here. God is doing everything. I'm just here to help him. I'm just, be, I'm just here to be a conduit to do whatever is expected of me, and I'm just preparing a vessel for God to put His light into it. And even as I'm preparing the vessel, it's Him giving me all my strength and all my inspiration. And I'm doing it, but I'm constantly connected to Him, to the purpose, to my higher self. And again, my hands get dirty, but my, my head isn't. I had this uh, in Jerusalem, I had this car mechanic, and usually, you know, car mechanics are very rough people. But I had this car mechanic who was very, very religious. And he had this long beard. It's very rare to find someone like this, a car mechanic that has, a, you know, uh, a place to repair cars. 
and he had this long beard. And if I would, you know, come early in the morning and I would see him coming, he comes with this beautiful suit. And then, of course, he takes off the suit and he puts on this very, very dirty, you know, working uh, clothes. And, and it was just beautiful to see because you could really see that, his, you know, his, his uh, working clothes were very, very dirty. Of course, his hands were very dirty because of the oil and the grease. But there's something about his face. He's the kind, he was very old, by the way, over 17. He was working every day from, you know, six, six in the morning. And, and his head, his face, the features of his face, it was completely, it was, it was, it's not was, it is, still is. I mean, I'm just, I don't see him anymore, but it's completely Shabbat consciousness. You can see that he's absolutely calm. Everyone is stressed around him, his kids and the workers and they're yelling and they're, he never yells. He's always calm, soft-spoken, and always have, you know, the book of Psalms. And that was just, for me, that's the perfect illustration. If I wish I could, I could show you this picture of someone that his hands are totally dirty and greased. And, but his face, he's always clean and calm. And you can see that he's, he's in Shabbat all the week. He's in Shabbat. It's Shabbat mode for him. And he's working. He's doing everything. He's a car mechanic. But he's totally, with this little smile, he's very calm, beautiful, beautiful um, personality. So this is the first element. The first element is lo ta'ase, but te'ase. That we need to sheshet te'ase melacha. Work shall be done. No, it's not you shall do the work. It shall be done through you. So we can have this image in our heads of our hands being invested, but our head above the water or above the quicksand or at least having a snorkel and then and then you can breathe and you have and you can calm down and you can take the world more easy and you also in Shabbat you know that you, it's not you don't control anything when it's Shabbat you, you can't control anything the light is on the light is off the, 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 the air conditioning is on or whatever it is you can't do anything about it that's, that's it you know it so this calmness this serenity if you take it into the weekday, you feel that whatever happens, it's not what I planned, it's different, everything is now changing, oh, so we have to change the plans. But it, I'm, I'm not controlling anything, it's all God doing everything. Everything is happening on its own, it's just, it's happening. And I'm, I'm invested, I'm working, my hands are invested, I'm doing whatever I need to do, but, it's, but I'm sort of calm, I'm above it. So that's the first, that's the first idea to, to use. And then the second idea comes from where the bunim of Shishcha. Rabun Abshischa is, is another very important Hasidic sage from uh, earlier generations. And he pointed out the same thing that Yikdushat Levi pointed out, that it says, what is it, it says about Shabbat, it says, Asher tziva Hashem la'asot, lo asher tziva Hashem le'emor, that, that Shabbat is the source of rectified actions, as we said, as we said before. And then he says, Shabbat gives you the intuition when not to do things. A very important thing that you need to carry with you into the work days is the intuition of knowing when to let go. It's not doing the actions in such a way that you feel that they're being done through you. It's actually not doing anything. It's no, you should know when you should abstain from doing anything. And this intuition, this sense comes to you from Shabbat. It's like when you, when you, if you fully go into Shabbat, 
And it says, it's uh, the first verse says the, the, with the name of the parsha, Vayakel Moshe et kol adat bnei Israel. So the word adat, if you change the order of the letters, it becomes dat, it becomes knowledge. So he says, Shabbat gives you the knowledge, the consciousness, the dat, to know when not to do anything. And he gives the example of Uzzah. Uzzah was one of the people helping David bring up the ark back to Jerusalem. He took it from the Philistines and he brought the ark back to Jerusalem and the oxen were carrying the holy ark. And then at some point Uzzah was one of the people accompanying the oxen and he saw that the oxen is collapsing and the ark is about to fall to the ground. So he did what every normal being, every normal human being would do. He, he caught the, he, he put out his hand to catch the ark so that it wouldn't fall. And unbelievably, this was such a terrible thing to do because you shouldn't touch the ark under any circumstances directly that he was he immediately died. There was, this punishment was so severe to die at that point. And there's a special place where that happened that is named after him. And the idea was that he should have trusted for the ark to levitate above the ground. That's what it says in the Book of Kings. He should have trusted that nothing would happen. And because, right, he should have known that at some moments, the point is not to do anything. He thought that he needs to do something. It was wrong when it's, when it's the ark. The ark carries itself. Don't you believe that the ark carries itself? How can you not believe this? Of course the ark carries itself. If the oxen would collapse, the ark would remain in the air. Isn't it obvious? And, and, and if you put out your hand, you're missing the whole thing. So, knowing those moments that Uzzah didn't know, but he gave us this important lesson that we need to know. So, says Rebunim of Shishcha, there are moments in the weekdays that you need to be really in Shabbat mode, not like, like we said before, Shabbat mode in the sense that you're doing, but you're not really doing, your hands are invested, but you yourself are not invested, you keep your head above the water. No, you, you really need to be Shabbat-like. You just need to not do, do, do nothing. The mo there are moments that we need to do nothing. Things happen, they're out of control, and you need to be in Shabbat mode. I can't control this. And needs to play out, whatever needs to be played out, and then we'll see what happens when the dust settles, and then we'll talk about it, then we'll make decisions, and we'll do things. But right now, we can't do anything. And knowing, having that consciousness, this that, comes from observing Shabbat. So these are two ways, two beautiful, beautiful ways of how to take Shabbat consciousness and take it into into our weekdays. The first is while we're doing things to do them in such a way that we're not, we don't feel that we are the ones creating them and we are the ones doing them and it's all about our actions and it all depends on us. No, we're conduits and it's happening through us. And the second is recognizing the moments that you need to totally let go and not do anything. And even if it appears to be a good thing to do, but if you look around you, you see that this is not the thing I need to do right now. The thing I need to do right now is not to, not to say anything, not to do anything. Someone is, is angry, something is falling, something is breaking. But you, if, you have, if, you, if you develop that sense, you know that interfering would only make it worse. There are moments like this in life.
So then you, you need to let go. So these are two ways, one a relatively more active one and the other one a more passive one, two ways in which we can and should take Shabbat consciousness and take it into the week, with, uh, into our weekday, our weekday, our work week. So may we, may we all merit to really connect to Shabbat and in such a way that when Shabbat ends on Moti Shabbat, we don't feel depressed, we don't feel that now we're going into a dark, cold world. We feel that Shabbat is continuing. And the best thing to do is to have a long Melave Malka at the end of each Shabbat and dedicate time, not rush back. It's actually halachic. You're not supposed to rush back immediately to doing what needs to be done. You need to drag Shabbat out more and set the table, have a little bit of a Melave Malka, even if it's a small one, and, and you know, have lights on, and the Baal Shem Tev would, you know, would tell stories, and he would go and do chasadim, and, and uh, he wouldn't tell stories, he would go and do things. He, he created the stories on Motzei Shabbat, but it's customary for Hasidim on Motzei Shabbat to tell stories about the Baal Shem Tov, and telling stories about the Baal Shem Tov in Motzei Shabbat is a good sgula, uh, to having a good week and being walking with the Baal Shem Tov in his faith throughout the week, within the week. So uh, may we all really connect to Shabbat in such a way that we can take it into our weekdays starting this, uh, this upcoming Shabbat. So thank you very much. And this is our class for this week. Hi, if you enjoyed this video, please press like and subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to hit the bell icon. Also, you're very much welcome to join our free weekly Zoom class once every Sunday. You can find the link in the description below. And until then, you can enjoy some more videos right now. Thank you.